Hello, I'm Daniel. This is my podcast, Sharpening the Mind. I am a meditation teacher and also a labor activist in Kansas City, Missouri. I teach classes in meditation and Buddhism at the Rime Buddhist Center, as well as a few other places. Thank you for listening and have a great day. Hello. Today, we're going to continue talking about advice for mind training practice, okay? So we're going to go through some more of the Lojong slogans and see how we feel about those. So um, let's. we're going to get right into it, okay? So act without the three being separated. Act without the three being separated. This is body, speech, and mind. Those are the three. And we should strive to have these in harmony. I um, have gone to Buddhist meditation groups where they they say body, speech, and mind in perfect oneness, where everybody uh, repeats that and puts, puts uh, prayer hands by the forehead and then by the mouth and then by the heart. Body, speech, and mind in perfect oneness. And uh, so I think about that sometimes. We don't want to say one thing and do another, right? We want our, that is, we want our speech to match. We want to do what we say we're going to do, right? We want our speech, our body, and mind to match. There are 10 negative actions. Ooh, another list. There are 10 negative actions we want to eliminate and 10 positive actions we want to adopt, and they're, they're dichotomies. So we want to protect life instead of killing, practice generosity instead of stealing, uh, maintain good morals instead of committing sexual misconduct, be truthful instead of lying, speak in a way that creates harmony instead of sowing discord, say kind things instead of harsh words, say meaningful things instead of gossip, Cultivate the wish that others have what they need instead of feeling covetous. Develop a kind heart instead of thinking unkind thoughts all the time. Adopt views that accord with reality instead of incorrect or deluded views. Those were the 10. So if you were really uh, paying attention, you may have noticed uh, one, two, three, Three of those were about actions of our body. One, two, three of those. Wait. Be truthful, create harmony, kind words. Yep, three of those were about actions with our speech, and then the rest were about actions with our mind. Those were sort of neatly categorized. And... We just want to be in harmony. We want to do what we say we're going to do. Of course we want to do that. I think uh, when you're five, you learn that, right? And that's what this is about. So next is train impartially toward all objects. Extensive and deep training in everything is crucial. So we don't want to pick and choose when we do do and don't work on our mind training. Uh, I think this point's been made before. Our practice won't take us anywhere that deep if we're just doing it when we feel like it. So that impartiality, that's about, it's about practicing when you feel like it and practicing when you don't. 
very, very important to keep at it because our habit is to drop it, to either to drop our practice when things are going really well because we feel great or to drop our practice when things are going very badly because we feel badly, right? And we want to be impartial and go after it all the time. So next is always train in the most difficult points. We want to identify uh, when it's the greatest struggle, what, which things bother us the most. And then we want to resolve to train our minds in, in regards to these difficult challenges. Resolve to train our minds in regards to these difficult challenges. We might be tempted to just focus on the areas where we just need a little bit of work. But that's, that's not what the teaching is. The teaching is, let's get after it. Let's go for the hardest, the hardest things to improve on first. The hardest things to improve on first. So uh, Kentrell Lodrote, this, on this point in the book, The Power of Mind, he says, and I quote, Once you have identified the situations that challenge you, apply yourself enthusiastically to using the tools of mind training. In the morning, start the day by setting your intention. Make a vow by thinking, if such and such challenging situation crops up, I vow not to be separate from bodhicitta in that moment. It's also good to imagine yourself in challenging situations. See yourself not being triggered, instead responding with love, compassion, and wisdom. Likewise, if you are about to enter that situation, make a commitment to yourself to apply the mind trainings. During formal meditation sessions or informally throughout the day, do tonglen toward the person or people associated with that difficult situation and meditate on the empty nature of all aspects of it. At the end of the day, think about how you did. If you reacted badly, generate regret and resolve to do better next time. Contemplate impermanence and karma to reinforce your commitment. You might think it is too difficult that your disturbing emotions are just too strong in this situation, but that is just your mind. If you choose to work with all of the tools at your disposal, your perceptions, and consequently your entire experience will change. Next is don't be dependent upon other conditions. So don't be dependent upon other conditions. I like this one. Our practice should not depend upon our current situation. So some people are more, as I said before, more inclined to practice when they feel really good. And others are more inclined to practice when things are not going well. Some people are inclined to practice when they feel really awake and not tired. And people think, oh, I'm too tired. I can't, I can't practice right now. Or someone may think, oh, I'm too distracted. I can't practice right now. We want to bring all conditions onto the path. My community, the Rime Center, um, our old temple that we had to move out of was next door to a fire station. So we had to learn about not being dependent upon conditions because sometimes, not often, but sometimes when we were there Sunday mornings, you'd be there doing your quiet, silent meditation and <clears throat> there'd be sirens and fire trucks and people talking. Now, we wouldn't so much hear people talking, but sometimes you would hear people talking out there and getting in the fire truck and going and driving fast, you know, all those things. All the things that apply in being next to a fire station were happening. And 
we had to not be dependent upon uh, wishing for it to be quieter. We had that opportunity to practice under difficult distractions. And I think about that sometimes. I think about that sometimes when I think about conditions. You know, if you wait for the conditions to be right for you to meditate, for, you know, it to be really quiet and you'd have like not a long to-do list and you're feeling awake and refreshed and ready to to go for it, you're just not going to meditate. Or not much anyway, because things don't align that much. And also we can be perfectionist about it and we shouldn't be. We shouldn't be. That's going to get in our way a whole lot. When I first started meditating, <clears throat> I thought I could just uh, meditate when I feel like it, you know, meditate when, when the mood strikes me, and that didn't work because I ended up just not meditating, just hardly ever doing it. And what's that going to lead to? Nothing, right? <clears throat> it's going to lead to nothing. So that's what I think of when I think about conditions. And next is this time, practice the indispensable point. This time, practice the indispensable point. And what he's telling us, what we're being told by the teachings, rather, is that we are in this life now and we should practice while we can. There may or may not be other lives and other opportunities. We should practice while we can because we have the opportunity. Um, Precious human life is rare and special. And so we should practice it. In the book, Kentrell Lodrote says, and I quote, Look at your priorities. Do you prioritize spending time on worldly pursuits? If so, you will not spend sufficient time using this life for what is ultimately beneficial. You must change your priorities. Make practice your primary objective. This life is a vessel that can ferry us across the ocean of suffering. With it, we can purify all obscurations and become completely realized. But this can only happen if we practice the path, generating relative and ultimate bodhicitta again and again. Think of this life as being at a crossroads. We can take the transformative road that leads to ultimate happiness, or we can take the confused road that leads to more suffering, now and in the future. We have the power to make that choice. This time, practice the Dharma. End quote. So that's really empowering. Um, I like to say, we can't add years to our lives, but we can add lives to our years. And that's just doing this practice is going to bring us more happiness and well-being, doing these practices rather. More happiness and well-being, and we want that. So we just have to get through our disturbed mental states and our our habits that don't serve us. And we should do that. We should want to do that. And that's just that's what this slogan, that's what he's reminding us to do. Or rather, that's what the teachings are reminding us to do. Practice the indispensable point. So next is don't misunderstand. Don't misunderstand. And I'm a little bit worried about getting this one wrong. So I'm just going to read what Kendrell Lodrote has to say about the slogan, don't misunderstand. And hopefully when I re- read that, it'll be really meaningful to you, okay? <clears throat> so he says in the book, The Power of Mind, Kendrell Lodrote says, and I quote, 
it's possible to misunderstand and consequently to misapply the mind training teachings. When the practice is misapplied, it doesn't tame the mind. If you patiently bear hardships just so you can take revenge on someone later, you are misunderstanding the practice of patience. If you are diligent in your pursuit of worldly pleasures but indifferent about benefiting others, you are misunderstanding the practice of diligence. If you feel happy when another person experiences misfortune, you are misunderstanding the practice of rejoicing. While many people will grit their teeth and endure discomfort to achieve selfish aims, many practitioners are unwilling to patiently bear even small discomforts that arise in the pursuit of the Dharma. To be lazy about the Dharma is another way to misunderstand practice. Even compassion can be misapplied. We could misunderstand the practice by having compassion for someone who is undergoing hardships to practice the Dharma, where instead we should be rejoicing for them. Someone, for example, might feel sorry for Milarepa when they read about the hardships he endured for the sake of the path. Or we could lack compassion for someone who harms others, even though they are actively creating the causes of suffering and are just as worthy of compassion as their victims. There are many ways to misunderstand and misapply the practice of mind training. This is why it's so valuable to review the teachings repeatedly to avoid such mistakes. End quote. So that was Don't Misunderstand. And I really like what he has to say, and I don't think I could put it better. Or even come close. So, next is Don't Be Sporadic. And what is being sporadic means mean? Well, there can easily develop a habit where we practice for a little while, and then maybe it's going really well even, and then we quit for a little while, and then later we pick it up again. And that's better than never doing it, but like any other training, if we don't stick with it, our progress is going to be really slow. Consistency is effective. Consistency is actually a very important and powerful tool in mind training teachings and in meditation practice and in anything else we're trying to do to better ourselves. You know, consistency is important in doing uh, running, training to run a marathon. Well, consistency is important, right? In lifting weights to try to get stronger, consistency is important. In studying for a test, consistency is important. This is no different. In uh, changing your diet to eat more vegetables, again, consistency, right? This is no different. We need to develop a habit of practicing and continuing to practice, not being sporadic. Not being sporadic. Next is train wholeheartedly. So what does wholeheartedly mean? Well, it means we really put ourselves into it. We really put ourselves into taming our minds and getting this thing under control. Our habit is to be distracted all the time and not focus wholeheartedly on anything, right? And when our attention is, is fractured, when we're either being distracted by the th things around us or uh, dwelling on the past or future or dream imaginary dream worlds, we... Uh, have little time to focus on mind training. So we want to remember that this is important and we need to be doing it and not let ourselves get get pulled off the path by the things that distract us. 
So in the book, Kendra Lodrote says, and I quote, we begin to change this habit by remembering to integrate mind training once or twice a day. This will gradually increase to four or five times a day. Eventually, we will remember to train our minds half of the time, then most of the time, and then with enough diligence all the time. When sitting in a formal practice session, focus all of your attention on the aspect of mind training that you're cultivating. Then when practicing informally during the day, vow to train your mind no matter what occurs. This is how you tame your mind wholeheartedly. I like that. I like this train wholeheartedly. So we really want to take it seriously. That's the message. Next is find freedom through both investigation and examination. So investigation is what we're doing at the beginning. We are investigating our minds to determine what disturbing emotions we really need to work on the most. And then we're working on those. And after that, though, we need to examine our minds further. We need to find less disturbing emotions that are also afflicting us. And we need to go after those next. And that can be that can be harder. Sometimes we have very deep-seated disturbing emotions that we really don't want to face, but we need to. This, There are no excuses on this path. This is a path to be totally genuine and face your stuff. Face your stuff. Really face it honestly. And that could be very uncomfortable sometimes, but we need to do it. So investigation and examination are both important. Some people... Uh, probably struggle more with their biggest disturbing emotions and other people struggle more with the subtle, less obvious ones. But we all we all struggle and we need to take it seriously and try to uh, really cultivate both investigation and examination. Next is don't be self-congratulatory. So we could start thinking we're really great because we're managing our disturbing emotions and we're being kind to others and we're really seeing growth and transformation and it's awesome and we're totally great. And the problem is, of course, this could become another way to feed our egos. It could be another way to feed our egos. So we don't want to do that. We don't want to take this and, you know, give yourself a high five and be like, yeah, I am. I am training wholeheartedly now. I am I am uh not striking out at people. I'm not lashing out. I'm not harming others. I am being selfless and being kind and I'm thinking clearly and I've got it. I'm there, you know. We could start to think that we are enlightened if we're not careful. And I think about uh I think about that sometimes in relation to like spiritual teachers who get really beloved and really uh, respected and like the things they have to do to not let it go to their head. I can't imagine, you know, I can't imagine what that's like, but we, we want to protect against that. We want to protect against that. We're not doing this because we want to get a high five. We're doing this because it's the best way for us to live. It's the best way for us to live. So, next is restrain jealousy. 
restrain jealousy. What we want to do is learn how to be happy for others, not jealous of them, right? Because if we can be happy for others, then we can just tune into joy really at any time because there's always somebody who's happy, right? So we want to restrain our jealousy that stops us from jealousy can really steal our joy, right? And we want to we want to get a handle on that and prevent that. So uh, in the book about restraining jealousy, Kendrell Lodrote says, and I quote, many of us don't realize we have a habitual inability to feel happy for others when something good happens to them. For example, when you join an airplane and you file past the people in the comfortable first class seats, are you happy for them? Or does a subtle or not so subtle negativity arise in you? The comfort they are enjoying is a perfect reason to rejoice. May they never be separate from such enjoyments. The person who thinks this, the person who genu- genuinely rejoices in their comfort, may get more joy from that attitude than the person actually sitting in first class. Don't allow yourself to succumb to petty jo- jealousy. Instead, uphold the integrity of practice and rejoice whenever you witness someone else's happiness. So, we can we think about like we say things like, "Oh, I'm so happy for you," and we're generally, though, we're only truly happy at someone else's success if it's someone we love. You know, I was truly happy for my daughter when she passed her um, driver's test. I was really happy for her because, of course, she I was. She's my daughter. But can we have that for strangers? Can we have that for strangers? Can you get on a plane and see the people in the comfortable seats that you don't know and be happy for them? I think you can. Jealousy is what gets in our way, though. And we need to remind ourselves that jealousy doesn't help us. Doesn't help us. So next is don't be dramatic. Don't be dramatic. I like that. When we act dramatically to circumstances, it disrupts harmony. And it's hard on the people around us. It disrupts harmony and it's hard on the people around us. And I think... We can sort of see that. We can sort of see that. We want to learn how to get our get our mood swings under control and not, you know, not not celebrate like a cartoon when things are good and not uh, lament. We want to learn how to not be like, oh, why is this happening to me? And, you know, try to get people to feel sorry for us. We want to not be dramatic, but just ask ourselves, what can I do about this? That's better. So uh, in the book, Kendrell Lodorte says, and I quote, With all of this in mind, set your intention to be steadfast in the face of ups and downs. Don't allow yourself to get easily excited or to swing with your moods. Strive to cultivate an expansive mind that remains stable despite surprises, disappointments, and change. In this way, cultivate new habits so that while positive and negative conditions come and go, you can remain steady. I I like that a lot. That is equanimity. That is that, that mind that is calm and even and can get through the vagaries of life without freaking out. And I like that a lot. So we are coming to the last, the last of not only of the actions that we want to do, the actions, wait, what's it called? Actions to, to adopt, but also the final of the Lojong slogans, the final one. And I think it's not accidental that this is the last one. 
don't seek acknowledgement. I've uh, seen this on another list and they translated it as don't expect applause. Um, And that's the same message. That is, don't think that anyone will give you credit for what you're doing. If you start to think that way, you're in trouble. Because you're probably not going to get the acknowledgement that you think you're going to get. This is about working on yourself, though. This is not about getting acknowledgement. And uh, to very briefly talk about my my normal life, I am um, normal. There's no there's no separation. But my career, um, I'm a union steward, which means I uh, represent working working people that need help. That's what I do. And in that role, when I first started it, uh, one of my mentors, he said to me. If you're doing this for the respect and the kudos that you'll get, you're making a mistake. And I I reflect on that sometimes because that is true. Because in my career, uh, the, the most significant things I do are stopping problems before they happen. And I'm not getting credit for that, of course. How could I? So I'm not expecting applause because the applause is not going to come. So the things that are the most work in my career are also the things that nobody notices, and that's okay. And that's what's happening here. The things that are most important in our mind training, the things that do the most for us on making our lives better and making the world a better place, those are the things that may not be apparent to outsiders, and that's okay. We cannot do this with a mind thinking that we're going to get applause or anything else. So that is it. Those are the mind training Lojong slogans. This is the section of advice, and I thank you, especially if you've come on this whole journey with me. Thank you for coming on this journey with me, and I hope this talk has been helpful, and I hope all these talks have been helpful. Have a good day. Thank you for listening, and have a good day.